0: Listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home.
1: Station kids aren't regular kids. What I mean is that they are, more often than not, fiercely independent and impressively resourceful. And that is a recipe for adventure. Gary Riggs is no exception here. He spent his childhood on remote properties across Northern Australia with a sort of freedom most of us would lament only occurred back in the good old days. He's had his fair share of adventures, including a number of close calls with snakes, motorbikes, horses, Motor cars, deadly fevers, and even a nasty rooster. Today, Gary owns Lakefield Station in the Northern Territory, where we recorded this episode. His journey from station kid to station owner is absolutely jam packed with ripper yarns, and this episode is just part one of several we're going to be recording with Gary. I thought it best to go right back to the beginning and ask him about his earliest memory, living out in the bush.
0: I do remember vividly of living in Stony Creek, part of King Ranch in the early 60s. I wasn't that old, probably five year old and um yeah, my dad used to take me mustering, chasing scrub cattle. He used to take me down and they'd take off after a bunch of scrubbers and he'd tie my old horse up to the a big uh a banyan tree or something similar to that and on the flat and, and, uh, that old horse would just walk around and I'd be sitting on him till they come back from chasing the scrub bullocks and bulls. And, uh, it was very good until my mother found out. And, and then when she found out that I was getting tied to a tree for most of the morning or day, I, she, uh, she put the foot down and that was the end of my mustering activities.
1: Would you get bored waiting under that tree? I imagine like as a kid, you know, Patience isn't something that every child usually has, and I'm guessing it wasn't, you know, you'd have to sit there for a little bit while they were out looking for those cattle. Oh,
0: definitely. I used to get very disappointed when they'd take off into the distance and I'd be still tied to the tree. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't old enough to be able to get off the horse and untie it and then get back on again and take (laughs) off after them. But, but yeah, it was a bit, what I can recall, a bit disappointing. But, but yeah, and uh, actually... February this year, I went back there and I saw that big tree that we was tied to. Really? <laughs> it was still there.
1: Was it as big as you remembered?
0: Bigger. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was huge. Yeah, huge big tree, yeah.
1: And so this was on a cattle station that your father was managing?
0: Yeah, he, my dad was managing Stony Creek, uh, which was an outstation of King Ranch, Uh
1: now, tell me a bit about this because uh, for most people that would have heard of the King Ranch, that's a rather large, well, I think it's the largest or one of the largest ranches in Texas in the United States, but that's not where this story was taking place, was it?
0: No, that's right. Uh, King Ranch was near Tully uh, in North Greenland and they had a place called Warami and they had, King Ranch was the main place and they also had uh, Stanley Creek. And Warramie and Stony Creek all had scrub on it and, uh, and King Ranch, some, some of King Ranch had been cleared, but there was a, little, a lot of, a lot of, uh, scrub still on King Ranch. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were clearing it and they were turning it to all sorts of crops. And yeah, and they had Santa Catrina's cattle and stuff. And, uh, and Stanley Creek was fully s- scrub blocked and, uh, and Dad's job was managing the property and also operating or managing the all the scrub clearers of the bulldozers and stick rakes and all sorts of stuff like that. And he often was sitting in dozers as well. And uh, and that's where I sort of got into in there. I used to get rides in the thing. But um, my brother and myself were there, my younger brother. And uh, yeah, we used to get up to a bit of mischief at times. But uh, yeah, and no, that was all fun and games.
1: So coming back to this King Ranch as well though, was it just the same name or was it actually owned by the Americans?
0: There was King Ranch owned by the Americans. Yeah. And I I did I did write the bloke's name down, was was the, the main man there. Uh, funnily enough, my daughter, my eldest daughter, she's her partner's father worked in the same with them people. Uh and he was very good friends with this this guy, and uh, he was telling me all these yarns about the same bloke. <laughs> and it was re- and I recall a, a fair few of those yarns my dad was talking about afterwards, you know. And uh, you know some pretty funny things used to go on there. And but yeah, it was part of King Ranch in in uh, Texas, and it was their their four in North Queensland and cattle properties and that and. Yeah, a lot of people uh, would know know about King Ranch, and I think they were they were tied up in properties over in the Kimberleys as well, and yeah. uh, Glenroy and Mount House. I think they might have been tied up with Burnett Downs yeah. as well. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of stretching my memory a bit too far yeah. from way back then. But yeah. So, yeah, they developed that and they turned it all into crops and all sorts of things and and now it's either sugarcane and bananas and uh, it's sort of gone full circle because my daughter, she's uh, managing a cattle property which was part of Stony Creek and uh, she's doing that right this very minute. She's, so she's uh,
1: walking the same ground that her father and her grandfather wa- walked working that's, cattle.
0: That's exactly, yes.
1: That is so cool. It's,
0: um, yeah, it's right, right around a big circle but… Uh,
1: got to be really special i mean she might be out in the paddock one day and you know for all she knows she's looking straight at a tree where something momentous happened to you or your, your dad or yeah you know or you even just sat eating lunch like how cool is that
0: yeah well that's right but she wasn't even aware of it until until i she knew a little bit about what happened but because i've been writing these yarns writing my book and that and a lot of these stories are in my book and uh so she she was aware of it, but she didn't know where. But then I started talking to her and that, and and because her father, uh, yeah, her father-in-law's partner, he started talking about it, and and then it sort of turned two, two together and realised that yeah, he knew of us being there and uh, way back when. And ah, uh, oh, it's interesting. It's it's great.
1: So how long did your family stay on that property?
0: Well, that, that, yeah, it's stretching my memory a little bit but I, I reckon we probably went there in 64, 65 and, and I do know Dad left there and went, would have been early 66 and uh, he went to a place on Plainby, a place called Plainby which is southwest of Richmond in North Greenland and yeah, we lived out there for a little bit and that's where I had one of my first traumas out there. I got scolded. Uh, I was putting, doing my normal chores and I was putting wood beside an old wood stove and that had a, had a hot box on the side where you heat your water up and it had a tap, one of them just little floppy taps. And I was, uh, I was pushing the, the wood in there and my back hit that the tap and, and the water started, boiling hot water started running down on my back and, uh, yeah, I ended up falling down underneath it and uh, I got fairly badly scalded, third-degree burns all down one side of my back and, yeah, I spent a, a fair bit of time in hospital. Uh, we didn't go with skin grafts way back then, but it took a little while to get over that. Uh so yeah, that was a, a bad memory there, but it was a few good memories as well. But, uh, and, uh, my, yeah, uh, the sister that's the oldest, she, she half drowned it in the dam and my mum lo- was looking out the window at, at the dam and she'd seen something out in the water and it turned out it was my sister and, uh, and she took off out of the kitchen and, and just kept going and run to the dam and dove in and, and, went to the last place where she seen her and uh, she'd gone under and she pulled her out and uh, stood on her actually and then lifted her up and pulled her out and uh, dragged her to the bank and then did mouth-to-mouth and that on her because mum's mom, nurse and uh, she saved her life. And so, yeah, that's… Uh,
1: that's your, your poor mother, like, to, to have… Those two things to go through with kids and how lucky, you know, it was one thing to be a nurse and have those skills to perform CPR, but just for that moment in time to be looking out the window and spot
0: what that's was happening, right.
1: like that's just a chance.
0: Yeah. If she wasn't looking out the window, she would never have seen it. That's that. Uh, she wouldn't know where the, where Rosalind was. Yeah. She was, uh, yeah, that's very lucky, very, very lucky. God, I'm sure and, she probably
1: doesn't have the best memories of that place.
0: Yeah. Well, mum didn't know. No. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rosamond would never, because she was only a toddler. Yeah. And yeah. and uh in one other memory, I had, there was a mongrel ch- rooster. <laughs> S- got me in the alleyway in the backyard and ripped my shirt off my back and all sorts of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and we end up eating him for dinner. <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. You know, it's sometimes it's the things you just least expect, because I know we're going to hopefully do a couple of episodes with you and you, you'd have done a a fair bit of bull catching so i'm sure there'll be some stories there but well everyone expects oh this is a story of the outback you know if it's going to be a wild story someone's getting hurt it's probably going to be a big bull you know chickens just as dangerous really mungle
0: Mungle red rooster yeah they're mean (laughs) they are mean he was mean and I i had a bad terrified experience with that rooster and i sort of you know i've always been ever since i've you know sort of scolded me for a little bit not just Being burnt by water, but it it scalded my brain, (laughs) and and I'm very wary of roosters (laughs) from all all times now. And yeah, I tell you what, a a rooster looks sideways at me, and he's got his his heads off on the block, and he's in the water, (laughs) and he's in the stew pot.
1: (laughs) Where you should be. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and so that was that was that was Plainby, and then from Plainby, my dad went and managed the property that. The owner of Plainby owned, he had another property on the eastern side, northeastern side of Richmond, and, and my recollections of the going up there. Then Dad and Mum moved up there, and it was a big two-story old wooden house. And Yeah, I remember lots of childhood memories there. And
1: So it sounds like you moved around a bit when you were kids?
0: Yeah, when we were kids, Dad sort of was – a lot of times he was transferred from places to places, yeah. but then – other times, you know, if things didn't work out, well, he moved on, you know, and, uh, so, yeah, we, 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 we got transferred up to Middle Park and, uh, lived there. And yeah, back to then, uh, at Middle Park where I was allowed to ride my own horses. And yeah, we got up to some mischief on horses there. We had an old pony that the three of us kids could get on and would canter around everywhere. And, uh, me in the front and my brother behind me and my sister, uh, in behind that. And yes, our horse would turn side roads and to go back to the house and we'd all slide off the <laughs> side and then hit on the ground and we'd be all running home. The horses be home and mum would come out and, and the horses standing out the front and all us kids running down the road. <laughs> that happened lots of times. Yeah, and, and yeah. Another another memory there. We got I got attacked by a sand and put me up a tree. But then that wasn't a good thing because he came up the tree after me. (laughs) I end up end up climbing down the tree and bellowing my head off, running back to mum, save me, save me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, sounds there was a lot going on in your childhood. Oh yeah, real bush kids eh? and yeah, you you did lots of different things, you know. yeah, the b- best memories was they being able to go mushroom with dad all the time. And yeah, my big, my, uh, my youngest brother, he was able to too. And, and so the two of us would go out and yeah, we'd only be on the tail, but yeah, it was good fun. Uh, you're finally
1: of an age where they couldn't tie you up. And yeah, that's right. You'd be able to untie yourself if they did.
0: Yeah, that's exactly. And, uh, yeah, no, we'd, we'd lap around on, on our ponies and, and, uh, mm. go with dad. We're going mushroom with dad and, and it was, Dad very seldom had any other workers. He could do it all himself, you know. Probably was set up very well way back then. And uh, yeah, and it was yeah. There was most time it was just another bloke and dad and us kids used to go. And uh, but if we had school, we and hadn't finished our school, we couldn't go because it was on correspondence, and I I was doing a a distant edge type thing on an old. Traeger radio, the one we used to have to pedal and uh, to keep the power going, and uh, so you can talk on it, and and uh, the school teachers are talking to you, and yeah, it was that was interesting.
1: It's almost making the work twice as hard, really, like because you've got to concentrate on your schoolwork, but you're also basically doing a phys ed class at the same That's time.
0: Exactly, yeah, keeping the keeping the enough power, but then if you slacked off a bit, well. The teacher would be in the background and no more. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> and, but at that time I sort of, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. You know, you Very.
1: mentioned that you're writing a few books about your life stories because there's, there's so many. And one of them is kind of about all the mishaps you've had, which we're going to cover a, a fair few of those, um, in this episode, like talking about your childhood. But yeah, it sounds like good thing you had your mum there. I wonder what would happen to you your mum was, you know, a teacher or something else and not able to patch you off each time. Because, you've, yeah, you've been through Probably the wars my, a bit.
0: If my mum was a teacher, I would have gone further in school. But <laughs> she was a nurse, so she kept me alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kept us all alive, alive. actually. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was, yeah, she she, she had a work cut out for her. Uh, nothing too major, you know. I'd scorpion bite, redback. Uh, yeah, just snake bites, Uh <laughs> So yeah, just, just, just some snake bites, Dengue know. fever, uh, yeah, which is the next one down from malaria. So, yeah, yeah no, she had to deal with a lot of different just things. Just a
1: bit of this, a bit of mm-hmm. that, you a
0: know. bit of this, a bit of that, and she never knew when it was going to happen, and it just the, uh, it would kick into gear if whatever happened. And uh, and she, yeah, had, had some things to look after Dad with as well. You know, he had injured himself at work and... And okay. Of course, we lived at 82 mile from town on a dirt road and an old motor car. Well, yeah, it was, you had to make do with what you had, yeah. you know, but you'd also have that big medic- medicine chest. And, and cause she was a nurse, she knew exactly what she had to get out of there to make mm. things better, you know.
1: She probably had as much adrenaline and cortisol running through her body on a daily basis as any of the workmen did when they're out chasing a bull to throw. <laughs> yeah, well that's,
0: that's right, because she never knew exactly what's the what's gonna thing, happen. Next yeah. thing that was gonna happen. But but yeah, it's true. it's through mum's life on the stations, everywhere she dealt with a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma yeah. and 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 that nursing background come in all the time, you know, not just with our kid with our kids, but with with all the workers and things like that, you know, people that broke their backs, people that have well, I broke my neck, uh and yeah, she had to deal with that. And my sister, she, she had a broken leg two or three times. She broke a leg. Uh, yeah. And brother, he, he was misfortune enough to be knocked unconscious and had all the side of his head caved in. And, uh, and he, he, he'd lost consciousness, He'd stopped breathing a number of times. and. Mum wasn't involved with that one. She was, uh, she was away and luckily the bloke that was with her was an Aboriginal stockman that was an orderly at Halls Creek Hospital and his life saving skills kicked right in and, uh, yeah, he, he saved my brother and, and, uh, CPR the whole lot, you know, and he just kept him alive until I got there. I got a radio message saying that it happened and I was driving a bullcatcher and I got there and, the Aboriginal stockman, Philip, he he jumped on the back of the catcher with my brother. We made a, 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 got a heap of leaves and that, and made a bed on the catcher and and on on the back across the spare tire and and uh, made it sort of half flat. And he jumped up there and he was performing CPR the whole time I was carting him out. And we were about twelve k off the beachman and ended up. Uh, getting to the beachman and then on the beachman and then end the station and then uh, rang the flying doctor and it was night time so they wouldn't come at night and uh so we organized ambulances and and the ambulance met us on the road and he stopped breathing several times in the ambulance and then they met him straight from Wyndham to Perth and, and the same thing they they had a fair bit to keep him alive and then when they got him to Perth they operated on him and, and took the, the bone fragments out of his side of his brain. And yeah, he made a recovery, but he still had he's still got problems now. But but then not long a few years after that he was riding a big bullock in the rodeo at Fitzroy Crossing and then the same thing happened again. The horn hit him in the side of the head and caved it all in again. So he ended up having steel plates put in the side of his head. So. Jeez. But yeah, mum Mum dealt with a lot of this things, but she missed that one that oh, time but she I'm, dealt with our, you know, our glad. sister drowning, uh can and I- and and you know, recruit her, you know CPR on her and kept her alive, and my brother and different things, uh, myself, other workers, yeah. And that that was through her lifetime, and I remember all that sort of stuff. But but mum's still around; and she's in Catherine, and uh, is she? Yeah. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, brilliant! I'm gonna. I was about to say, what's your mum's name? Like, if uh, she's still around, I'd yeah, love she's, to.
0: she's Catherine, and uh, she's got some yarns.
1: Oh. What's her name, sorry? Lorna Riggs. Lorna, I'm coming to find you. <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so I say I feel like we need to. De- I feel like you need to be writing a book, like one of your books, just dedicated to her. Like, and also this woman needs a lifetime supply of wine or something. For-
0: <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't drink wine. She doesn't uh, drink beer.
1: Candles and eye masks and foot massages. <laughs> like, oh, she yeah. sounds like an absolute legend, yeah. though. Can I ask what happened to your brother to cause that? level of injury to his
0: head? Well, he was showering a bull around on a horse mm. and and uh, they got into a big pile of rocks and the horse sort of got a bit stumbly and then the bull got back and hit the horse in the side and lifted the horse up in the air and uh, and the horse lost its foot and my brother came down and his head hit the rock. He side of his head hit the rock Gosh, it hit him there like that.
1: And so were you out on the same muster at the time?
0: I was actually catching bulls in another paddy. Yeah. And I got the radio call from the helicopter.
1: How old were you at the time? Oh, I,
0: I was probably 27 or so. Oh,
1: okay. So this is a little yeah. later on, yeah. Yeah, a
0: little later on, yeah.
1: My goodness. Um. And then I can only imagine what your mum was thinking because she said he, he re-injured his head a few years later riding in the rodeo. I, ma- I can only imagine her when, you know, he's saying, oh, I'm going to go ride in a rodeo, have been like,
0: <laughs> I mean, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously nothing because yeah. he, got, he rode in the rodeo. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. And uh, it's probably well before the time of helmets. And, yeah. but at least I guess once you've got those metal plates in, you're probably hmm. all right. But,
0: yeah, I don't yeah. know. He's, he, he gets headaches and things like yeah. that. So he's, it's, it hasn't done him all that good, but yeah. yeah.
1: And so that was okay. So that's when you're a bit older, because I was mm. just wondering because you'd mentioned Hall's Creek. So obviously that's in the Kimberley, which is yeah. a fair fair wedge away from where you started it's in a few Queensland. Years in front, yeah. Yeah. So coming back to Queensland, and like I know you said your dad was also a drover at times. So it just sounds like I guess he was always working with cattle, property management, cattle management, and like you said, he would either be shifted around by the company, um, mm. like. Seconded, I guess, or moved property to property, or yeah, then also seek out other opportunities, other
0: opportunities, you know, to get managers' positions and things like that. Yeah, but yeah, dad was the same. He left school when he was 12,
1: yeah,
0: and he went to work for Kodak,
1: like the council, like the camera people as an
0: errand boy. Yeah, as camera people, because back then, you know, cameras were the thing. You know, he was that was in the 40s, and um, and yeah, he, he was an errand boy. But stepping back a little bit, Dad was in Townsville when the Japanese bombed Townsville and uh, they lived next door to the RAF base and one of their jobs was to clear the cattle off the thing before they got fences around the the the, the base. Mm -hmm. And Dad used to get on his ponies with all his other brothers and they had a number of brothers and I think there was – and at the same age as him, he, he probably had three other brothers, and they used to slip out there and muster all the cattle away from the airstrip and things like that. And eventually, they fenced it all off, so that so the livestock couldn't get on there. But they still used to get in there, and uh, they. He, he, and then this, this, I heard a lot of these stories. I didn't know about until he, my dad, got dementia, and he, which was Parkinson's disease, and uh, and he had prostate cancer as well, and the dementia, the Parkinson's was the thing that put him down, and eventually, but it also affected his short-term memory, but enhanced his long-term memory, and the things, the yarns he was telling me when he was in that nursing home in Catherine was just unbelievable, and this was one of them, you know, where they used to go and muster these bloody cattle off the thing before the Bombers used to come back and land and, and he said, yeah, well, they, they had air raid shelters and things. So when the Japs bombed council a few times, they, it was only a few times they did that, but yeah, they used to, cause they were right beside the Air Force base and their hut and go there now. Mate, it's just houses, bond houses and shopping centers, you know, it's just unreal. And, uh, and I was trying to point out to Michelle the other day in February, oh, well, March, when we were in Townsville, uh, and I said, This is where dad's parents own this land. Yeah. And they used to live there. And, and it's just, just amazing, you know. Um, uh, but all these yarns that he was telling, and I, and I, I thought, he goes, I wish I pushed, pushed harder on getting some recordings of him. And, uh, I, I know I'd, I, I bought a tape recorder and that for him, but. Yeah, he, he wouldn't talk on it unless you yeah. could give him a few rums, and then yeah. then he just everything would start spilling. You know? and, <laughs> and and we us kids used to sit there and listen to him because all this happened when he was a kid, you know. And uh, so yeah, pretty well. Dad would move. You know, he he went then he went droving as a horse tailor, and then he ended up droving all through Queensland, and he he worked on a lot of properties out through s- Central Queensland and that, and. And along with his driving and stuff, and um, yeah, and some of his old mates. Well, they're probably all gone now, but one fellow out of the blue sent me some photos of Dad uh, riding a buck jumper in on a station at Ardmore or somewhere like that. It was or one of them places, you know. And and uh, yeah, I never never knew about them and. But it was all, you know, interesting, the yarn that he used to tell, but I sort of went down them same tracks, I guess, but, yeah, and listened to Dad and that. But, yeah, after we we left Metal Park, we then, his good mate that he was working with all the time was a bloke called Bill Bright, and uh, they was driving, and and my mum and their mother, Pat Bright, uh, they both nursed together in Charterstowes Hospital. And my dad and Bill Bright, they, they roamed around the countryside being louts and, and ringers and whatever else you want to call them, you know, and, and so they were really good mates. And anyway, Bill Bright moved to Robinson River, managed the Robinson River, and he finally convinced dad to come to the territory. And dad was always wanting to go to the territory, but he never did. He stayed, stayed in Queensland. But anyway, we, he shifted us all up there and, um, they had a big caravan, they'd bought a big caravan and it was a big caravan. For then it was 26 foot long and uh, had a big Ford uh, F-100 and that used to tow it and I remember recalling them things and we went out to, we stayed at, at uh, Mount Ives it was the first night I reckon and then made our way through to Borrelilla and we camped on the thing and at the crossing at Baralulla at the time was just a just a, a water crossing, you know. There was no roads. You yeah, know, the road was across there somewhere. And uh, and of course, we wanted to get that, Dad wanted to get the caravan over, we had to wait for com- completely low tide. And uh, and I said, I'm going to go and catch a fish. And anyway, I took off down to fishing and come back with a big barramundi. So that's what was breakfast. It's a big barramundi. That was uh, that was my first ever barramundi and. Uh, yeah, then we went to Robinson River and, and, uh, yeah, we lived there for a few years.
1: Is that where you first had your, ex- like your first experience with helicopters?
0: Yes, it was. Yeah. Dad and Bill Bright, they decided that, yeah, they'd, they'd like to use helicopters in the, in Mustard. And so they started, yeah, using helicopters in 69. And, uh, with a few different pilots, a bloke called Mike Gray and, and, uh, yeah, there was another guy, I can't remember his name now. And I, I think I've written it in my book, but yeah, I'd have to go back and dredge up some more memories. And, uh, but yeah, I, them guys were, uh, military pilots and they had no cattle backgrounds. They couldn't see cattle on the, on the ground was the biggest problem, but I don't know how they, could see the enemy on the ground because they couldn't see a cow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what had they been doing before they were mustering? Like what kind of flying in the military? They were
0: flying helicopters in Vietnam, uh, extracting people out or gunships or whatever they were flying. Oh,
1: I was going to say support. probably people. a lot less stressful coming over mustering, but then depending on who's on the other end of a two-way, maybe not.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that too, but… The persons had machine guns shooting back at you.
1: Yeah, true.
0: So that could have been a bit stressful too, I yeah. think. Uh, but, yeah, they, they were good pilots, but, yeah, they just didn't have the cattle sense. And and uh, either one of Bill Bright's kids or myself and brother would get the straw and, and uh, we'd end up in the helicopter and and uh, as a spotter. And uh, and we used to take it in terms. And I, I, I spent days in the helicopter.
1: Is that something you'd fight each other for? I feel like these days or at any point, you know, a chance to do something so different like go up and fly. It's oh, something you'd you'd try and fight each other for the chance to do. That's why there were
0: straws. <laughs> 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 so it was used to argue about it and who was gonna get in it. But they had a system that yeah, you could whoever won the day got went and got oh, an helicopter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, Robinson River was was an amazing place for us kids growing up. We had the Brights had a, uh, a ski boat and we used to ski in the big water hole behind the house, uh, in that water hole at Robinson River. If anyone knows about it, it's, it's quite long. Uh, it's fairly wide. Lots of big crocodiles in it. I was just
1: about to say, are there any uh, sharks
0: in it and oh. swordfish and things like that? But
1: did you know about that when you were in there? Yeah,
0: we knew about it, but back then crocodile hunting was in full swing. Uh, so crocodiles weren't. At the homestead, there was a crocodile head at the homestead that would have been at least that long. Yeah, it would have been quite, very close to a metre, the skull, skull, Jeez. and it would have been half a metre wide, you know, and that used to sit there at the, in the store at the homestead and, and uh yeah, and other places. It, it sort of made its rounds a little bit around, but it, it lived at the homestead and, I don't know who owned it, but, yeah, they got it. There was a big yarn about how it was li- living in the Fulch River and then they seen it walking across the between the roads, on the road between Fulch and, and the Robinson River. And uh, anyway, they got to the Robinson River and it it, it uh, made its home now and started eating a few cows. So then one hu- hunter, he ended up shooting it and they ended up dragging it out of the water all, with a wire rope around its neck and and that, up the bank, i never seen it, but yeah, just had all the yarns, you know, and I don't know how long that thing was, but for the size of it, if it wasn't five metres, I'd be surprised. Uh, Shouldn't
1: have seen a head that size made you wary and afraid of going in the
0: water? Like seeing we a head were, but it. when you learn to ski, you don't fall off. Yeah. And we, we used to be able to turn around in that water hole without coming off, hey. <laughs> especially up the other end where the crocodile was. Oh my God. There was a crocodile living at the other end. Oh, really? Ri- <laughs> because you used to, see all the evidence that he was taking a few cattle at the time, but yeah. Oh. But there, we had an ad- Aboriginal camp there of, of at least 80 people. And, wow. uh, them kids used to swim in the water hole there too, you know, down the bottom end. You know, we never used to swim at the top. Uh, but yeah, it was good fun skiing in there and and we used to have a, a raft pontoon thing made up of 644s um, and had boards across it and yeah, we used to go fishing on that river, on that water well and we'd paddle all the way up and paddle all the way back and you'd see evidence of crocodile there but there wasn't many. and uh,
1: Yeah, but all you need is one.
0: <laughs> that's right, that's right. You know, there was some other water holes where we used to water cattle on and, and there'd be cow taken while you're watering the cattle. There, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, you're very wary. You never went into, a, in them water oats away from the homestead. You just didn't go into the water on your horse. You yeah. always found where the water was running and nice and shallow. <laughs> Jeez. But the cattle, they used to move into the, into a deep, you know, deeper water and then they'd lose one to them.
1: And but- what- what was it like, I guess, in those really early days, mustering with helicopters, particularly if the pilots weren't cattlemen. And that's I mean, I haven't been to that Burulula country, but what's what's the country like? Like is it quite timbered or quite thick? It's not like big open plains, is it?
0: No, it's not open plains, but it's not heavily timbered either. It's okay. it's timbered. It's a savannah woodland type yeah, thing. Okay. And ridges. Ridges and mountain range. In areas, there's some mountain ranges and that, where the river runs up in the gorges. And uh, so, yeah, there's there's some, it was all mixed of country, but only the river flats was any yeah. open areas. Uh,
1: so, was, yeah. there, was there lots of water? Like, would the cattle be all spread out if there was plenty of water through that? Yeah, country? there was water all so, the springs
0: all over the place. Yeah, so and, so it'd
1: be slow musters then, like trying to find all the.
0: Yeah, it was it was a steady muster, but there, a lot of the paddocks, paddock country was just horseback mustering. Mm hmm. Uh, just the traditional uh, way of going out and tracking them and finding them and m- blocking them up and getting coaches and and then starting from there. And then, and then, then they moved to some helicopters in the rougher country, you know, and they were, it was very successful getting lots of cattle, wild cattle out of there.
1: How do you go sitting in a helicopter for hours on end? Because I found of all the time I've spent in choppers, the only times I've gotten nauseous and the one time I've been sick has been Catherine, Adelaide River, Darwin. Anywhere else in this country, I can be up for like hours, fine. Up here, I think it's something to do with the humidity, I reckon, and I just can't hack yeah, it. Yeah. So, get,
0: yeah, well, like, for me, it was. I used to get sick, very violently ill, flying around the alley, especially if he chuck, started chucking around. And then, because we never had any paper bags or plastic bags or anything, I used to just spew in my hat. until the hat was full and then it would land and we'd tip it out and then if it was a spring there, I'd wash it out and put it back on my head and then if I had a chunder again, well, normally once I had the first couple of chunders, I was right for the rest of the day but but pretty well every day I got in it, I had a chunder.
1: And you still would like fight for the opportunity to go up in the helicopter and do spotting? Because you were saying before that, because um, I was like, you know, would you guys fight each other for the chance? You know, draw, you said you drew stones. Oh, yeah, 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 So even though you would get so violently yes, sick, yes, you would definitely. still want to go back of up. Because
0: you've seen so many unusual and amazing things. You see, you see you're gorges and mountains, caves, and and you'd see uh, waterholes and rivers, crocodiles and big bullocks and wild cows and, and bulls. And you see all the cowboys or the ringers chasing animals around on horseback and. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. And that, no, it was it was great to be up there. It so was a cushy job basically. Yeah.
1: And, well, I guess after you've yeah yeah. So would you? I guess if you know that's going to happen, do you do you like p- plan with what you have for breakfast that day or what you pack yes, with you? Yes.
0: Once, <laughs> once I knew what we had to eat… Uh, <laughs> what, what your job was, was you know, gonna... I, I would eat next to nothing. Oh, really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Made but, it a bit nicer coming up. Yeah, geez, but no, that was that was
0: all good fun. And yeah, we used to on horseback. We used to get chased by buffaloes. And I remember one day there's one buffalo. I was having a drink in the in the creek, and I had me caught pot, and I saw him up. And I heard hear this noise on the other side that's water I'll spring. And I thought, oh, it's got to only be one thing. And it's got to be a buffalo. Anyway, I, I just jumped straight on. the flew on the back of that horse like a bloody Indian, and off across the flat, and that thing was right behind me, eh? scratching the arse of that old horse. Eh? <laughs> and yeah, dude, that was a close call. That was, but yeah, I, I remember Dad coming back once, and him and his, uh him and his some Aboriginal stockmen. There was about four or five of them or something. They having dinner camp, and they'd put their horses, uh, they the cattle in, the, in a little bronco yard or holding yard or something, and, and they were going down and they're boiling their quartz at them. I had the water owl and, uh, anyway, they'd unsaddled all their horses and, and, uh, you know, and uh, they'll have a bit of a siesta. And then there's one old follow, he had he this noise and he yelled out, buffalo. And <laughs> all them Aboriginals, they just jumped straight on the horse and took them, Dad said, no, no, unsaddle it up. And so he saddled his horse up and took off. <laughs> Oh yeah, time to do it. That's <laughs> with, lucky. <laughs> with the, with the, the buffalo was chasing them. But, uh, yeah, no, the buffalo sort of got a bit distracted when all the horsemen ran away. he they, they followed them and left that alone. But uh, but yeah, talking about buffalo again. they were, they were camped at one one yard surprise yard. I wasn't there. He was just telling me the yarn. And, uh, and uh, there was a an uh, uh, people wanting to buy the place anyway. They shot a buffalo and wounded it. Cup of K from the camp, and this is only secondhand stuff that, that I was told from my dad and from some of the people that were there. And Anyway, they were all camped around the, and they had, you know, the cattle in the yard and that, and they were camped at the, around the fire, and, and the Aboriginal stockmen were all camped up, and, and there was a, Bill Bright's kids, Billy and Kenny, they were there, and uh, anyway... This old cook was wiping up. He, he had one eye apparently, and and uh, the old night horse was tied up to the to a tree, and uh, the night horse went to sleep and hit hit back hard on the halter and made that hell of a noise. And one fellow yelled out "buffalo" because they knew that wounded buffalo was down the road there a little bit. So that cook he just was sitting in the fork of a tree about 12 foot up, apparently, and he still had a tea towel and the plate in his hand. Everyone else was in the motor cars <laughs> or the old tractor or whatever it was, a trailer. And yeah, no, it would have been a fairly funny yarn to see. Oh,
1: but, half uh, his luck though, because I can't climb a tree. Like, yeah.
0: Well, they don't know how he climbed the tree in, especially <laughs> it with the tea pl- towel and the plate still in his hand. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was a bit of a yarn. And I remember dad and the, and the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Because we're good mates with Billy and Kenny Bright. They're they're the same age as us. Yeah. And they both went on fly helicopters. And uh, I think they're both retired from flying toppers now. I think they're still – Bill Wright's got a a, a place up in Kununara there and he's got his own big helicopter that he flies all over the countryside with, goes fishing and whatever he does. But, but yeah, so there was some pretty good yarns there at Robinson. I I really didn't have any any other major – Miss there besides being chased by a couple of buffalo and and uh, yeah, Dyson with yeah, risking our life and you them for um, a bit of fun on water skis. <laughs> That's just yeah,
1: after Robinson, where where did you guys go then? Like, were you still kind of moving around at that stage?
0: Yeah, dad was straight because they, they, they sold that property. Um, dad. Was transferred. went and managed Anthony Goones, and Dad went down there as the overseer. Uh, but Dad had already walked a couple of mobs of bullocks down there and that uh, from Robinson River. And uh, so, yeah, that was the early days. He sort of came across the back country and and uh, picked up lots of bulls on the way down, and he ended up with double the amount of cattle that he started with, and uh, with just scrub bulls, you know. And yeah, so we we moved to Anthony Lagoons and uh, Anthony Lagoons was in full swing with BTEC and uh, Bill Bright was managing the property and Dad was the overseer and that's where I left school uh, because Anthony Lagoons is a long way out the, in the Barkery and that and Mail runs for once a week or once a fortnight or something. But I know it used to take a long time. Brisbane was the place where our schoolwork used to go to and used to come from, and it take a long long time. This is the seventies, you know, seventy one or two or something, seventy two I think it was. And uh so, yeah, it used to take a little while to get stuff. And and I said to Mum, I said I got a plan, and she wasn't wasn't real keen about my plan. But anyway, I said. Save you a bit of money because they didn't have a lot of money. I said, don't send me to boarding school. I said, I'll go to work for 12 months and I'll make enough money to go to boarding school. Oh, yeah, right. Are you going to do that? And I said, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. I'll go to boarding school. Anyway, I went to work and went into the stock camp and, uh yeah, I did 12 months in the stock camp there and and that's where I had another motor motor car accident there, the Land cruiser. You dad was driving some, uh, really slippery black soil. It rolled over on its side and onto its roof. And I got a fairly bad gash in my leg and it took a long time to heal. They thought I was going to get gangrene out of that. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was an interesting little episode. And, uh, but now I worked in the stock camp there and, and, uh, on Anthony Lagoons and, Twelve months come up, and I never went back to school at all. I was just I was having too much fun, you know. And
1: uh, did you actually ever intend on going back to school, or was that just probably the line? not? Yeah, probably <laughs> not. I
0: think I just had to have a bit of a yarn, you know. <laughs> Your mum, mum
1: probably saw straight through that too. Yeah, she
0: did. She she said, "You sure you're <laughs> going to do that?" Yeah, and uh, and that was B and we used to yeah send all the reacting cattle to. Well, first of all, we used to shoot them all—hundreds um, and hundreds of them—every time we did a master, but then. Eventually, they opened up abattoirs at, at um, MacArthur River and used to go there then. And, uh, so yeah, that was early days, Anthony Goons. And then from Anthony Goons, I got, I went to Connemara with Dad. I helped them move. And then when I got to Connemara, I stayed there for a little while. Oh, I stayed there for a little bit because when we got there, there was the 74 floods and that uh, was when Cyclone Tracy hit Darwin and that, and we were down there. And the floods also all come through. And when we first arrived there at nighttime at Connemara and all the homestead and everything it was all up on stilts and walkways between all the buildings. And we didn't know what it was, but about two or three days later, we soon found out what it was. Though everything was underwater. And, uh, and of course we'd only been near to the place. We, we weren't aware that we had to shift everything. And, uh, and we didn't hear on the grapevine that the, the river was coming down and. So that's, yeah, that's where we, we were land, locked in there for a long period of time. And that's a helicopter used to come up and, and, uh, and uh, fly out and get a killer and bring the beef back. And, but if you couldn't get a helicopter, we used to live on ducks and fish and, uh, duck eggs. Oh, used to go out looking <laughs> for duck eggs and, and, uh, and fish. You'd see the, the river was right there. They were on the roads everywhere. You'd Plenty of yellow belly around so you catch them fairly well and um and occasionally yeah they'd bring out some fresh veggies in the helicopter or or uh yeah you'd fly out and and kill an animal bring it into the cool room you know and so yeah that's where I got dinghy fever again there eh? um, yeah it was a fairly horrible thing um uh, yeah you're like, you're in the horrors all the time you're seeing things crawling up the walls that Things that you can't even describe, you know, and so like h-
1: hallucinations, and sh- hallucinations, that- yeah. yeah, wow, and
0: shaking all the time and Is sweating, it- shaking, sweating, and screaming, and and yeah, and my sister then she got bit by a redback spider then she had to be medivac through to, to Mount Isa, ah, oh, not to Longreach. Imagine Her, if you
1: could get frequent fly miles or, you know, points for each I time think you so, had yeah.
0: a. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we've all, I, I haven't been in an airplane to do Medivac, but, or an ambulance. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of missed a lot of those different things that, uh, but yeah, that was the sister. She was Rosalind. She, she ended up, yeah, getting bitten by a redback spider and it was a female one. So it was pretty toxic. And, uh, so she, she had a little while in, in, uh, in the hospital there at Longridge. And uh, so after that, I was transferred down to, to Galway and uh, I worked with Bill Bright down there and uh, that was a good job. Uh,
1: and this is all still in your early teens, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this is my very early teens. I was 14,
1: That's I reckon,
0: it. when I went there. So... Yeah, that, that, that was the next thing. You know, there were so many things going on, like, uh, especially at Connemara when it was flooded. they flooded twice while we were there, Connemara. And, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting.
1: And did Tech take up a lot of your time? I guess I, like, I know of Tech, um, but I didn't realize it started so early in the seventies. I thought for some reason it was like eighties, maybe a bit of nineties, yeah, or was it something that went for quite a long time? It went for a long
0: time. The, the shooting started in the eighties. Okay. But... Originally, places like Anthony the Goons and the Barclay, you were mustering and you'd you'd bring a couple of thousand of the cattle into the yard. You'd inoculate them and then you'd brand all the weaners and calves and stuff like that and pull all them off. But then the cows would go into a paddock for three days and then you'd bring them all back yeah. and read them. Uh, and then everything that reacted was put in a yard, and then the stock inspectors would shoot them all. Yeah. Uh, and there were so many reactors that people were a bit suspicious of what was going on. Uh, so then they started doing postmortems on the odd one, and some they found had no TB in them, and others had TB in them. And it just turned out that…
1: wasn't a conclusive test? It wasn't.
0: The reaction oh. was… Sometimes reaction to the needle itself oh. where they did it. And so that's when they made the decision then, to my knowledge, I was a young person then, that a lot of these cattle were suitable for slaughter. Mm. And, uh, and I know at the station, we used to, yeah, there'd be big bullocks there, fat bullocks, you know, you'd, you'd shoot them for eat and, one in ten was your reactor that had a, had a, a big pussy uh, uh, TV thing in one of the glands, you know. And yeah. so when you found that, because, you know, you'd go to all them places first and then if you never found it, the animals right there. And so you'd keep slaughtering, but you'd go right through the animal and then if it was okay, you'd eat it. Because it wasn't didn't have TV, and uh, so I think that's what created the need for an abattoir at Macarth River. So a lot of these cattle, then all these cattle went to there and slaughter slaughter type cattle. And and if they they, the same thing, if they were slaughtering and the cattle are going through that, there was no react, there was no one none with TB. But then if they found one that had TB, and this is what I was told, and they used to destroy that animal, you know, that would go into the, into the waste. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of animals, I, I don't know what the percentage was, but it sounds to me like the percentage could have been 20% were proper reactors and the others weren't.
1: Jeez, I didn't actually know about that. i, mm. I Come across TB in previous jobs or BTEC, sorry, in previous jobs. And we've had a few people on the podcast talk about it, um, from their experiences at the time, but I'd love to do an episode just on it because it's, I didn't realize it went back so far. Like I thought Mm -hmm. it was just kind of the, like the campaign in the eighties. Um, and is it, I had this with Danny Hayes when I recorded not long before I had my baby and I blamed on baby brain. I can't really do that now, but is it, um, bovine tuberculosis eradication hermate or is it, or is it brucellosis tuberculosis? tuberculosis. I think it was just, uh, brucellosis.
0: <laughs> okay, it's yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, was how that. can I not
1: yeah. remember this? Um, yeah. So for anyone listening that hasn't come across Speed Tech before, quick Google will get yeah, you sorted. But will we'll, get you sorted, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I should do an episode on that though. But um, yeah, I didn't realise that went back so far. So this is all by because what what I love is that we're going to do a few episodes, and when people obviously they so tune into the rest of them, see. Because I, I, I just I love a story when you've left school at thirteen, and then when we're going to go on and see all the amazing things you've done. But when I was doing some background for this episode, and we were talking, and you'd gone through all these things, and I was like, well, how old were you at this stage?" And you were like, "Oh, fourteen, 15. And I just assumed you would have been like thirty because of how many things have happened <laughs> and how many things you've done. Right. Um, and so was it kind of at that point you went into the the stock camp? Because at some point you went to the Kimberley,
0: didn't you? Yeah, it was after after. Yeah, I went to Galway and I worked there at Galway and I, I, that's where I rolled my first motor car. And, uh, and, yeah, it was a bit of a yarn. We were chasing kangaroos and and, uh, and we come in onto a fence and I swerved so I wouldn't run through the fence and, you know, and there was a bit of sand there and we rolled up on the side and onto the roof and... and Young Kenny Bright and myself was, and I was driving, and he was in the passenger side, and we got out and had a look. Oh yeah, what are we going to do about this? And then, anyway, we both walked home about six k's of them, and we just bought another motor car. We just went in. Kenny went into his dad and said, "Oh, can we, can we go out a motor car?" He said, oh, "I thought you just took one." "Oh no, no, we, we brought that back. <laughs> We're going to go again." So we took this other motor car, and the two of us. You know, he 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 was younger than me, and and at that stage. I would have been probably late fourteen, something like that, and uh, and I we both went up there with a the chain and we pulled that motor car back over onto its wheels and and checked the oil and everything. And there was still enough oil in it, and only waited for a little while for the oil to drop back down into the sump, and then uh, I thought, oh, well, check the water, make sure the water's still in it. Yeah, that was all good. And uh, so we started it and drove it home, parked it in the shed. <laughs> Nothing
1: ever happened. And it was the,
0: the manager of the motor car too. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he went out and checked the oil. And he checked the oil. It was a little bit down. Oh, he the a bit of oil. Then he looked at the bonnet, and a little bit of oil on the bonnet. Then he, the battery had leaked a little bit of oil, acid up on the bonnet. He said, what happened to this? He said, oh, we hit a big bump. Oh. You do any damage? No, no, no. No damage. And to this day, not too many people now oh, really? putting that motor car on its roof.
1: So because it was on sand, there wasn't like any big no, scratches there was or dents. No dents, no,
0: dense, no damage. It, it was That's just insane. So lucky. And, and it was slow motion. And uh Yeah, it just totally amazed us and and we couldn't believe it that we did it and, and then we were going back and saying, gee what are we gonna say? We're gonna get our ass kicked big time here and and, uh, anyway, he, yeah, we didn't tell him. We just said, can we get another motor car? And we went to go. And so that was one of the, my earliest fibs, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever
1: find out? He <laughs> never found out. Oh.
0: And he died in 76, I think it was. And, and, uh, late 76 and he never found out. He never found out. And, uh,
1: he's he, probably up there now, like listening, being listening like, Gary. Him,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, there's probably a few up there listening to me now too. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that, that was a fairly interesting thing. And, and, uh, we went through a rat plague at that joint there too. And I've never seen so many rats in my lifetime. We had a pit there that we used to shovel that pit out every day full of rats. Right? That was for weeks and weeks. Uh, I had a really bad, Motorbike prang there too, was a two-wheel motorbike and hit a four-barbed wire fence, full tilt, and uh, probably doing sixty kilometres an hour. How far was your
1: mum on the same property at the time? No, run, she, or wasn't. she was She was down. She in, was.
0: She was uh, at, up at Connemara. Uh, she was living up there.
1: At least, you know, that gave her a bit of a break. I mean, well, she, she probably
0: knew, never knew about it. Never knew about that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's probably
1: yeah. probably for the best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of other yarns there too. But they're all good things, good fun for young people. You know, we had so much fun growing up in the, in the bush.